Blog Talk Radio. Hi there. I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. And as I like to claim, we are still a bodacious generation, and now we're revolutionizing the spirit and style of aging. Yet as revolutionary as our generation is, younger women are inspiring us with their honesty, courage, and outspoken attitude in challenging some of our most outmost and often hurtful human interactions head-on. Our guest today, Kimberly Yolanda Williams, is just such a woman. Kimberly is an educator, DEI administrator, consultant, speaker, and certified life and health coach who's known for moving audiences with her mixture of connection and compassion. And one of her main areas of expertise is racial dynamics, and Kimberly specializes in supporting people across the racial spectrum to find commonalities and become closer with one another. To these ends, she has recently published her book, Dear White Woman, Please Come Home, and she joins us today to share all about it. I am thrilled to speak with you, so welcome, Kimberly. Thank you so much, Eileen. It's great to be here with you. Well, and I want to begin, we did chat a little before we went on air, but uh, with a hearty and heartfelt congratulations on the book. You've been getting great reviews, and I have to say you must be both excited and gratified by the reception it's gotten so far. Yes, yes, I, I am. I'm just filled up to overflowing with the amount of feedback and um and just honestly the stories that have been sent my way since the book came out. I'm just humbled by people's vulnerability and openness and celebration of this project. Wow. Well, I don't think there could be any higher praise for an author than that. Uh, and so that our listeners know, this moved me greatly, was the subtitle of the book. It reads, Hand Me Your Bias and I'll Show You Our Connection. So, uh, I, I, in fact, by just reading that, it, it gave me goosebumps on the back of my neck because it's, a, mm-hmm. it's such an important topic. And human interaction mm-hmm. and human respect for one another obviously is an important Field. So uh, let's begin by you giving us an overview of the book, Dear White Woman, Please Come Home, and some of the messages you hope to convey to white women like me. Yes. Well, Dear White Woman, come, Please Come Home is a book of 40 letters. Um, and I would say that the uh, premise is given that you and I were um, are women, we should by birth be sisters and be able to enter into a sisterhood in our younger years, and I think that um, I think that something gets lost along the way, especially across the racial divide. And so, this book is a book written to a missing, a, a fictional missing white woman, asking her to come back home. It's kind of like those um, when you see families on press conferences sending messages to their loved ones who've been taken. That's the premise of this book, dear white woman. You've been taken away from the family, and while you've been gone, so much has happened but I'm pleading with you to come back home. And so the, uh, there are three different types of letters in the book. There are 40 letters, and one type of letter is mistaken identity. Hey, I was, we were out searching for you today, and we, um, I thought I saw you at the bank. I was pretty sure it was you because of the shirt you were wearing. And then you said or did this, and that let me know that it wasn't you because no sister of mine would behave that way to me. That's one type of letter. The second type of letter is you've been gone for so long, Here's some things that, that have happened or transpired while you've been gone. 
Um, that's enough. That's the second type of letter. The third type of letter is get, getting to know the author. And I and I I spun that in there because some of my favorite books are the ones where I felt like I knew the author by the end of the book. I felt like the author was my friend. And so weave through those letters are um, getting to know the author letters. So um, and and I what I hope that people get from reading the book, especially white women is that these these things that are, and I'm going to say, blown up on YouTube and, and Instagram and, and Twitter are simple interactions that, if, that, that the guidance that's in my book can help prevent. And, and not only just to prevent those larger moments that we see on YouTube and TikTok and things like that, but really to, on the proactive side of things, to give us a deeper bond across the racial divide, that you and I can actually be real friends. And when I say real friends, um, I was just at a workshop uh, on Saturday, last Saturday, giving a presentation, and a woman said, I want to be your friend. And I said, listen, I've got a question for you. Do you want to be the type of friend that shows up to my dad's funeral with the rose and the card? Or do you want to be the type of friend that when I found out my dad passed away, I called you? And there is a difference. Mm. And, and, and there was like this hum in the room that was like, wow, I hadn't even thought about that, right? So when we say we want to be friends, what do we actually mean? What, what does, are you the type of friend that I speak to every time I leave my house because you, you live next door to me? Is that what you call friend? Or, again, are you the friend that I'm calling in the middle of the night when I get the call that my dad has passed away? And that's, that's very different. That's very different. Wow, Kimberly. Well, I can just by that example you gave, I, I can I know the audience will have an idea of what they can find in this book because those mm-hmm. kinds of stories uh, really struck me. I have to say, and you were talking about you were at a workshop, and you. I also want to say that the kind of the the. The instigator of the book, if I could use those words, but it was because you had an epiphany after a workshop you attended. So tell us a little (laughs) bit about what what this epiphany was and what led you to be able to write such an amazing piece of, uh, uh, well, I will say an education book because that's what it is to me. Yes, yes. So I attended, um, I will tell you that uh, Debbie Irving and I were friends before this publication process, and so whenever she would come to town when I was living, um, where I was living, I would try to support her work. So uh, my birthday weekend was approaching, and my partner bought us tickets to, um, to attend one of Debbie Irving's workshops. And she was putting it on with Faith English, and it was a workshop designed for black women and white women to come together to connect and to heal, to heal the broken, um, the broken relationships that come with our historical lineage or heritage. And so... And so one of the last activities we did was a full-day workshop. And one of the last activities we did at the end of the day was where this was pre-COVID, where we would sit kind of knee-to-knee, face-to-face um, in the center of a circle, and the black woman would have the opportunity to speak a truth to the white woman and to tell the white woman why she hadn't told her previously or prior to that moment. And, um, and then the white woman had a chance to respond to that truth and to respond, you know, thank you for sharing me and trusting me with this, you know, um, and often each white woman that spoke, and, and each round, you know, you would change seats. Like a new white woman would enter the circle, a new black woman went into the circle. And white woman after white woman said, you know, well, the black woman would say, I didn't tell you this because I didn't think you cared. And the white woman would say, well, wait, 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 how could you think I didn't care? I, I, of course I care, but I didn't know. And so, and, and honestly, Eileen, white woman after white woman repeated that same thing. You didn't give me a chance to care because I didn't even know about this. 
And so I was felt like someone was setting me, my soul on fire. I was getting so angry. And I rode home just fuming. And I said, what do they mean they don't know? This is on YouTube. This is on, this was before the days of TikTok. This is on YouTube. I'm like, this is in the newspaper. These are magazines. Like, how do you not know if this is being broadcast every single day, right? And so, and then I said to myself, I paused. And I had two epiphanies. I mean, I said to myself, wait a minute. Wait a minute. White women or white people in general, right, don't see themselves as a part of a collective, right? I'm an individual. You're an individual. So when they look at these people that are showing up on the news, they don't see themselves. They see that person over there, right? Um, and, then, and then I thought to myself a second epiphany. Wait a minute. If I, in the community that I was raised in, we've been trained not to tell the truth to white people for fear of retaliation, for fear of losing uh, an opportunity at the next promotion, for fear of losing our jobs, maybe our housing is unstable, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? The, the power dynamics in that uh, cross-racial uh, relationship, we have a lot to lose if we speak the truth. And so I said to myself, you know what? I am, we've, we've been trained not to tell the truth, but I'm tired of that. I'm tired. Nope. If, if this workshop, all these white women showed up to this workshop and these are white women who are doing their work, right? These are not the women of the KKK. These are white women who are reading. They're going to workshops. They're watching documentaries. Like, they're, they're trying to do their work. Then I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to tell them the truth in this book so they can never again say, I didn't know. And I'll tell you, I, mean, I think I was joking when I said that. <laughs> but because <laughs> I was so angry. I was so angry. Um, I think I was joking, but here we are four years later, and it is a reality. It is a, it's a gift to the world. Wow. And I, I want to uh, mention, too, at the end of each chapter on that, you know, that same note that you're talking about, you have the section called Pause, Reflect, and Discuss. So yes. as, a, as a reader, I was reading this on my own, but this is a book that, you know, you could start workshops, you could start discussion circles, you could reach out to various people and eat, read each letter and then actually share your thoughts and feelings after each yes. of the, the different instances. Yes. And I will tell you, some people have reached out to me to share their answers with, uh, um, to these questions, and they have just been really thoughtful and deep reflection, um, reflective answers. It's been, it's just been so powerful. I mean, I, I couldn't have imagined that this book, the responses to this book would, would open. I mean, just I use the phrase "break my heart open" even more. Um, mm. And so I'm just super thankful for the people that are that are taking the time to interrogate. Um, their experiences and their life stories with these questions. Wow. Well, the, and, and you as the author, I would assume, well, one of the things you shared a couple things in the stories, one of them is that the yes. stories are true, and another yes. is that you are an empath. Uh, so tell us yes. a little bit about what an empath is. And I'm yes. wondering, too, was writing this book cathartic for you, or was it? did it elicit, you know, overwhelming feelings? What was it like mm -hmm. in the process? Yes. So I, you know what, I did not find out until uh, I'd say we were in 2023, I'd say about uh, maybe six or seven years ago that I was an empath. Um, and it, it helped me make sense of my life and my experience on this planet so much more. Um, because you couldn't, I mean, you could not have a whale wash up on a beach and me not be trapped in my house weeping for days. Like you, I mean, that, that is just, mm. um, I mean, it, that's just how I experience the world. 
And so uh, a counselor put it very well for me, and she said, you know, Kim, there's just no divide between that which belongs to others and that which belongs to you. Um, you soak up the uh, energy of everything around you, and so you have to be super careful with um, where where you go and who you spend time around. And so um, this book, this book sunk me to really low lows. Um, revisiting some of the stories because again, all of the stories are true. Um, revisiting some of these stories and these painful moments in in my life or even in the lives of, of others. Some of those stories are stories that belong to my partner. Some of those stories are from uh, other women of color. Um, and it just sunk me to really low lows. But every time I wrote, and I've because, you know, I knew that the journey would require me to read letters to audiences out loud, every time I would practice uh, reading letters, it would be a little bit more healing happen to my, my soul and my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's been a healing process for me, too. Wow. Well, I, I have to say, too, and my listeners are basically boomers, and, of course, we remember those those first civil rights uh, movements and things like that. But things have changed, but they have such mm-hmm. a long way to go. And the term mm-hmm. microaggression is one I've heard a lot, but maybe yes. you can explain it to me so I can have yes. a better understanding of what a typical microaggression is and how especially women my generation might say something hurtful when we're unaware of it. Oh, 100%. And that, you use a very powerful word there, I mean, unaware when you're talking about a microaggression, people hear the word microaggression and they hear the word bias and they see them as bad words, right? Like a microaggression, and there are many scientific definitions out there, and I I find that my clients, uh, my clients that I work with one-on-one or listening audiences uh, get lost in the the vocabulary and the jargon of um, what a microaggression is. And so I try to simplify for people. A microaggression, in my my definition, my definition only, is outward evidence of inward bias. That's it. Outward evidence mm. of inward bias. And and I and when I say outward, it's right often something that has been said or something that's been done. That's outward. And then the inward bias is just all of us have bias. Um, and just I can and I love to share examples of my own bias with people so they know that I'm not coming from a place of because I'm a DEI practitioner professionally, that I have arrived. You never arrive. You never get to a place where you've dumped out all of your bias. Um, and so I just this past weekend, I was giving a workshop, um, and there was an ASL interpreter next to me for the deaf people in the room. And 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 I went, I went to read a letter from my book to the audience, and I said, can everybody hear me? Well, that's bias, right? Like, I grew up in a family wait, wait, where no wait. one... You but say? it was also you were you know you were communicating in a way that felt familiar to you. But yeah, I, that's that's such a powerful example. Thank you for right? sharing that, Kimberly. <laughs> because I know I mean, I've done similar things and, and I didn't even realize it. Exactly, exactly. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. And this is what people love to tell me. Like they say, well, when we're talking about race, and I just gave you a hearing versus hard of hearing and or deaf example, right? Um, when people are talking about race, they're like, but my husband is black. My child is black. My, you know, and just in your proximity to these things, don't get rid of the bias that lives in the bottom of your, uh, your, your subconscious, right? I take, I take American Sign Language classes every week, and I still was able to stand before an audience. And my instructor is deaf. 
I was still able to stand before an audience and say, can everybody hear me? So when we say, like, mm-hmm. well, what, I have a black husband or I have a, my husband is Hispanic or my this, it, having proximity to different races does not rid us of the socialization that we've had growing up in this world. I did not grow up around anyone deaf. No one in my family is deaf. I don't love, I don't, not in an intimate relationship with anyone that is deaf. I take ASL classes because I love learning language and connecting with people across difference. And I still was able to say, can everybody hear me? And, and I mean, I immediately caught myself, but the fact that that was able to come out of my mouth says I've still got hearing bias that, that lives inside of me, right? And so that's when I say microaggression, it's often unintentional. Did I stand up in front of that audience and say, I hope to hurt somebody's feelings or make them feel excluded or alienated here or isolated in this room? No, it was unintentional, but it was hurtful based on the bias that I carry inside of my mind or my subconscious. Oh, wow, Kimberly. I, you know, I've been looking forward to this interview, but I am blown away. Uh, unfortunately, however, we're about out of time. So before we have to close, I mean, because your your message is so important, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? Because I know we would all appreciate anything you have to say. I would say give yourself grace. Give yourself grace because this is not, this is not a, a sprint. It's a marathon. I'd say give that book to everyone that you know. It's written, I've had women of color and men and all genders and all races say how great this book has been in their lives. I'd say subscribe to our website at engagingacrossdifference.com. Please follow me on social media at Kimberly Yolanda Williams. Um, I am just thankful for this opportunity, Eileen. Well, I've got to say thank you right back at you because I know your time is valuable. You're doing a lot of interviews and speaking engagements, and I really appreciate you so much sharing your vitally, and I am going to underscore vitally, important message with us. And I wish you continued great success with Dear White Woman, Please Come Home, and I do hope all of our listeners check it out and share it. Just like you said, this is a book that belongs in everybody's personal library, and by reading these stories, I, I really gained a lot of insight. Doesn't mean I won't continue to inadvertently do microaggressions, but I really, Absolutely. really appreciate you opening my eyes. Thank you, Kimberly. Thank you. And until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>